What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. It's Monday night here on the East Coast, and we have the uh, Seahawks and Giants uh, approaching halftime. Hopefully, Geno Smith is all right, because he hobbled off. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, by the time you hear this, you'll know. <laughs> I, he looks okay, though, Bart, right? We're, we both are pretty heavily invested in Geno, so we're panicking a little here. Yeah, a little bit. I've got him in Dynasty. Um, I don't think I drafted him in Scott Fishball, but, but but I've got him in a couple of places. And yeah, I just, you know, we were talking before the show started just about injuries in general, like the Nick Chubb terrible injury. I mean, there've just been so many, like, I don't want another one. Like, let's just make the injury stop. Let's, let's turn them off. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, before we get started today, just a little programming note. Um mm-hmm. We are just going to be doing one podcast uh, going forward per week, and it will be uh, focused on our rest of season rankings, which is the name of the show. It's the name of uh, the website, rosrankings.com. So we're going to sort of uh, refocus on that aspect of what we do. Uh, We do have new rest of season rankings up on the site, uh, rosrankings.com. We'll still be posting weekly rankings on the site as well um, for your matchup decisions and uh, of course, are always uh, happy to answer any kind of questions you might have on Twitter about waiver wire pickups and things like that. Uh, but really, the, that's what the rest of season rankings are all about: is um, helping you with those waiver wire choices, helping you with those trade decisions, because it's putting uh, where, where we stand on every player right there before you in terms of who we value more highly. So. That should help you figure out if it's worth dropping player X for player Y, etc. Um, before we jump into, uh, we're going to do a game by game recap and basically just talk about players that are moving up and down our rankings based on uh, the week for action. Um, but before we do that, uh, we did want to just couple touch on a couple headlines uh, from uh, this week that uh, are maybe not related to the games, but are certainly related to player values going forward. And of course, the two big stories right now are two uh, fantasy stars that could be coming back to their teams very shortly uh, in Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, let's talk about Cup first. Um, he, they've, they've designated him to return, activating mm-hmm. the, the 21-day window. So uh, he presumably will return sometime in the next 21 days. Uh, but it doesn't have to be 21 days, right? It could be as soon as week five. And the latest I've heard sounds fairly optimistic. He will indeed return in week five. So, Bart, let's talk about this. Where do you have Cooper Cup uh, in your rankings relative to other top wide receivers at this point? Well, I've uh, I've moved him you know, pretty far up. Not, not quite as high as you have, but it looks like you've got him at 12th overall. I've got him up to about 26th overall. Um, if I look at just my own rankings... I have him, you know, still behind guys like Devontae Smith, DK Metcalf. But like you said, if he comes back this week, that's a little bit too low for sure. I mean, like if he's healthy, he's good to go. I'll be moving him up next week, no doubt. Uh, but I'm a little bit conservative here thinking it still could be a week or two. What if he's not healthy? What if he re-injures? There's some factors here. So, like, I've, I'm have i a little more conservative with, uh, with my ranking of Cooper Cup. But I think as it relates to, you know, Puka Nakua, who's, you know, 96% snap, 95% snap the last couple weeks. Like, I think he's fine. I think, like, guys like Tutu Atwell or Van Jefferson, those are the guys who are going to miss out. Um, 
hopefully for fantasy purposes, it's Van Jefferson. Because I think Tutu Atwell has been, you know, pretty good at times getting involved in the offense. So hopefully he's still a little bit of a fantasy asset as like a wide receiver three flex play. Yeah, I think he'll still, I, I don't know if he'll be a every week wide receiver three at that point, just because uh, I, I agree with you about Puka Nakua. I think he's going to maintain a, a huge role in the offense. So he and Cup are really going to eat a lot of targets. I think it's going to make it harder to rely on guys like Tutu and Tyler Higby. I think Van mm-hmm. Jefferson will be completely off the map at that point, but he should uh, be. Yeah, but even even Tutu and Higby, I think it's going to be a little more challenging to um, rely on them on a week by week basis. But we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, I, you know, with Cup, I just if we were drafting today, I, and honestly, I could move him even higher than I have him right now because I still <laughs> have him right behind. Guys like Devontae Adams and Amon Ra St. Brown, A.J. Yeah. Brown. Uh, I think I would take him over those guys if he's actually back. Uh, just because we've seen the upside with Cooper Cup. It's number one overall player, not just wide receiver upside um, with Cup. And I also think Matthew Stafford is playing really great football right now. I know he did injure his hip uh, mm-hmm. in this last game, but it sounds like he'll be fine to go uh, next week. So, um yeah, I feel like it's it's going to be like right back to the the glory days with Cooper Cup, and uh, I think he really only Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, maybe Stephon Diggs are only the those are the only receivers I feel confident in ranking ahead of Cup once he is back in action. Yeah, the Jonathan Taylor one is a little bit trickier, <laughs> of course, because Cooper Cup was pretty straightforward. It was an injury. Now Taylor, you know, seemingly uh, was an injury as well, maybe, but like it's a lot more nebulous, and we don't really know. He was making a big stink about his contract, wanted to be traded, so there's a lot more to his situation. And uh, you know, I think the bottom line here is don't drop Zach Moss. <laughs> you know, wait and see. And even Trey Sermon can still be like a deep stash because if Taylor, do, you know, doesn't come back and and play with them, or if he go, does get traded, then obviously a Zach Moss has had a ton of value. Uh, with him being out. He's been treated like a bell cow. I mean, they've been running him into the ground. So, uh, of course, Anthony Richardson did miss a game in there too. But even with Richardson, Zach Moss has just been like that workhorse role for the Colts. So hold on to him. Don't 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 drop Zach Moss just yet. Oh, yeah. You definitely want to wait to see how this situation plays out because it's been anything but straightforward up to this point. Um, it does seem like Taylor is healthy. Uh, so that's that's good. I think if, if it's purely about health, he could be he could be back for week five, but we know it's it's about more than that. It's about whether uh, these these two sides are willing to kind of suck it up and uh, you know agree to uh, work together for the rest of this season because that's really what this is about. Yeah. Um, and we haven't really gotten any sort of clarity on that to this point. I mean, it, it sounds like the Colts are still. Uh, willing to trade Jonathan Taylor, but still asking for a high price. Uh, it, uh, last I heard, I think, was at least a second-round pick. And I just don't think teams are particularly interested in trading a second-round pick for a running back that they then will need to sign to an, a very expensive contract at the top of the market. So uh, Because, you know, Taylor is – if he's not going to play on his existing contract – with the Colts, why would he do it with another team? You know, so I think right. if he's going to hold out for a new contract in order to play, um, then he could hold out longer and and maybe just come back for the minimum amount of time that he needs to this season to uh, to accrue that year towards free agency. Yeah, so uh, very tricky, <laughs> hard to say, hard to say what's going to happen with Taylor. Um, any other big news you want to get into before we kind of recap and do uh, game by game here? 
Uh, well, of course, the other player returning is is Jamison Williams. Oh yeah, uh, with the Lions, uh, that there was new uh, agreement made between the NFL and the NFLPA about betting, and I think that's why his suspension was reduced uh, because they're you know they're basically I think it was part maybe part of that whole deal you know, um, mm-hmm. but essentially uh, it's going to be a very strict punishment for players betting on the NFL, but not. Uh, as nearly as strict a punishment, uh, if any, for betting on other sports, uh, from what I understand. So that's that's where that came from. But uh, I'm curious what you think is going to happen with this situation, because I personally am still pretty skeptical about Jamison Williams. Yeah, I'm still I'm still pretty skeptical. Um, but I mean, the talent's there, but we really haven't seen much from him yet. Uh, you know, he dealt with an injury, I think his rookie year, you know, took a while coming back from that. He flashed a little bit toward the end, and then now this... And in the preseason, I think he was allowed to play during the preseason, right? And he was having some drops and just, I don't know. Like, we don't really know what we're going to see here. That being said, like, this is a kind of a thin waiver <laughs> week. And so, like, he's he's like 35 or so percent rostered. Uh, so is Josh Reynolds. And I think Jamison Williams certainly has maybe a little more upside than Josh Reynolds. You know, a couple weeks ago, Josh Reynolds was a zero. And then he, he came back and had a much better game last week. But if I was putting in a waiver bid, you know, I wouldn't put in, put in very much for either of these guys. Obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown is the guy. And Laporta, we've talked about him. Last week, you were saying, hey, or, you know, you should trade for Sam Laporta. <laughs> it's hard to recommend any tight ends, like, off the waiver wire. Like, but Sam Laporta's looked awesome. So there there could be a role for Jamison Williams. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend too much to try to get him. But, you know, they had a Thursday night game. So he's been locked on waivers for most people. Yeah, it's interesting. I... I still prefer Josh Reynolds to, to Jamison okay. Williams by a, a decent amount. Um, I actually have them closer in my rankings than maybe even I, I should now that I think about it because I've got Reynolds at 111 and I've got Williams up uh, down at 144 overall. I have both I have both of them right around 125, almost back-to-back. Back. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I, I don't think Williams is going to overtake Reynolds. I really don't. I think Reynolds is... A, a good player you know he's not a he does yeah maybe he doesn't have the pie in the sky upside of Jameson mm-hmm. Williams but uh he can do what he does very well he's a reliable target um for Jared Goff and I just I feel like Jameson Williams might get you know pigeonholed into sort of a, a you know field stretcher kind of a role that's not going to be a lot of volume um so I like I could see stashing him on your bench for upside, but overall, if I if I had to guess, I would I I would feel fairly confident that Reynolds is the guy who could maybe be a wide receiver three going forward, whereas Williams is is purely just uh, kind of shot in the dark stash. Okay, well, like I said, the Lions played on Thursday, uh, really handled the Packers. Uh, the, the box score wasn't even really uh, representative. I mean, they were they were leading pretty big at halftime, twenty seven to three. We talked about this game on Friday when we recorded because we kind of randomly <laughs> did a Friday show instead of a Thursday night while the game was going on. So, you know, obviously we talked about the David Montgomery 32 carry, three touchdown game. Um, anything you want to talk about these, you know, these guys in regards to the rest of the season rankings? I mean, I've clearly moved David Montgomery. Well, not even moved. Like, I've had David Montgomery above Jameer Gibbs uh, rest of the season. Both, yeah, we both have. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that hasn't changed. If anything, I've just moved David Montgomery up even a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, there was a little uncertainty brought into the situation when Montgomery was hurt, and it wasn't clear how long he was going to miss. I mean, it got described as a multi-week absence. It didn't end up being that significant. And then he comes right back and scores three touchdowns. So, like, uh, clearly he's he's 
perfectly healthy now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's just such a bell cow role for him. I mean, this is this is the playbook with the Lions. We saw this last season and we're seeing it again. Um, so, I, you know, I have Montgomery, um, you know, right in, in a group with guys like James Cook and Kieran Williams, who's another huge riser for me. Uh, you know, not too far away even from like a Joe Mixon uh, or Travis yeah. Etienne. Uh, that's the kind of value we're talking about. I mean, I have him ahead of Aaron Jones uh, right now. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think uh, Montgomery is is a high end RB two, whereas Gibbs is going to be a lot more kind of hit and miss. He'll have some huge games. He'll have some games that leave you a little bit frustrated. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to overtake Montgomery. I just don't think that's in the cards. They're different types of players, different skill sets. Um, so I still feel like Gibbs could be like a low-end RB2 just based on his game-breaking ability. But um, but I, I, I think Montgomery's pretty clearly the, the, the choice between the two. Yeah, and I'm, I'm right there with you as far as my ranking. I have him, you know, right like not quite as high as like a Joe Mixon or ETN, but getting close. And I have him right behind Aaron Jones. James Cook, uh, just above Kieran Williams, who you're talking about, and also just above Devon Achan, who we, we need to get to talk about. Talk about. I don't know in what order you want to get to the recap. The Bills, you know, Dolphins was kind of the game of the week, um, even though the Bills kind of handled them. But we could we could go to London first if you want. <laughs> well, I just wanted to, while we're talking about this Packers game, um, I do want to say it's also becoming a lot more of a question to me whether Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs is going to be the most valuable mm receiver on the Packers um and I actually uh have moved Romeo Dobbs ahead of Christian Watson in my rest of season rankings uh because Dobbs is actually he's just been really good you know he Um, has and it seems like he has a comfort level uh or Jordan Love has a a comfort level with Romeo Dobbs and uh Dobbs has now finished uh as a top 13 fantasy receiver in half point PPR in three of the first four games this season and uh you know Christian Watson we know he's an exciting player he can make huge plays but that was with Aaron Rodgers you know that wasn't with Jordan Love I think it's a very different situation different chemistry between the players but also I mean Aaron Rodgers you know was Aaron Rodgers and he was he he could take advantage of of the explosiveness of Christian Watson in a way that it's not yet clear to me um, that Jordan Love will be able to, whereas like Romeo Dobbs is just that, you know, really reliable uh, over the middle type of receiver, short and intermediate routes. Uh, could just see a lot of volume. He got 13 targets in this game on Thursday, nine catches, 95 yards. There could be a lot more um, stat lines like that for Romeo Dobbs. Yeah, I, I probably should have him a little bit closer. Um, I, I did move Christian Watson up quite a bit uh, since he's now healthy, presumably. And Jordan Love, I mean, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but he has been throwing the deep ball well early on through four weeks. And so if if Christian Watson, you know, he, he can he can get run under some of those. So we'll have to see how it plays out because obviously Dobbs, you know, those games that you mentioned were without Christian Watson. Uh, so we'll have to see how it plays out. But I should probably have him a little closer. I have Watson overall 71st, and I have Dobbs like out, just outside of my top 100. So, yeah, maybe I should have Dobbs a little higher. Yeah, and to be clear, I still have them very close as well. I just have um, given Dobbs the, the edge right now just because he's producing at such a high level. I think until we see it change, uh, I'm going to lean slightly in, in Dobbs' direction. Well, that's interesting because, you know, as you talk about trades, like if people are listening to this and you like Watson or you like Dobbs, I mean, 
I think that's probably the value. Like, right, their value is a lot closer right now. So if you want to buy low on Christian Watson, maybe now's the time. Or if you want to, maybe you can buy whatever on Dobbs because people are still valuing him maybe a little bit too low. Yeah, I would think Dobbs is probably cheaper than than Watson to acquire right now. Um, He should be. Because a lot of people are probably not buying that Dobbs can keep this up with Watson back. Right. All right. Uh, So now let's move to London. Let's do um, it. <laughs> I, I used to live there, so I like. I, I'm, I'd be happy to move to London. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it was twenty three to seven. The the Jaguars at home, quote unquote, defeating the Falcons. And uh, in terms of the big takeaways here, I mean, it's another game where Christian Kirk vastly out targeted Calvin Ridley, which has been happening a lot lately yeah. uh, since Ridley had that big week one. And uh, this is, a, you know, it's kind of like what we were just talking about with Dobbs and Watson. I mean, can you confidently say that Ridley is going to be a better fantasy receiver rest of season than Kirk at this point? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good question to pose. And like, remember after week one, <laughs> we were like, what's going on with Christian Kirk? Uh, and of course, Ridley, like you said, was was really good. And in this game, Ridley had that first touchdown and then was like not heard from again. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit strange. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I still have Ridley higher. But you're right. It should be maybe a little bit closer. Same thing. My takeaway from this game is more that like Desmond Ritter <laughs> is just looking really bad. And at some point, you know, Arthur Smith is going to have to get Taylor Heineke in there. So I think like if you're in a deep, you know, or if you're in a super flex league, um, I'm not not a one QB league because like this is still going to be a very run heavy game. Bijan had over 100 yards on just 14 carries. He's super dynamic, obviously also in the passing game. So Bijan, I mean, we could be talking about Bijan right behind Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, by end of season, when we're talking about rest of season rankings, I and mean, he's already getting close. Uh, and into, if Christian, if, if Christian McCaffrey didn't have such a huge game, we'll get to that one. But yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's about to be Taylor Heineke time, and I'm curious what that might mean for a little bit, maybe for Drake London and, and potentially Kyle Pitts, but uh, it could be Johnu Johnu Smith and not Kyle Pitts, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I picked up Johnu Smith last week in Scott Fishbowl, which is very fantasy friendly for tight ends. And right, um, he, yeah, I mean it's been three weeks in a row where he's been getting a lot of targets, and uh, you know it's it's tight end is a funny position because uh, there's a lot of teams in the league that don't produce any fantasy viable tight ends, and then a team like Atlanta could produce two. Uh, not that Pitts yeah. has been fantasy viable really so far, uh, but uh, you know Johnu Smith is a reliable target for for Desmond Ritter, and uh, I, you know I don't know how switching to Heineke would impact it, but it seems to me like Arthur Smith definitely sees a significant role for Johnu Smith. And let's remember that Johnu Smith is not he's not some scrub, you know he's he's put together some good NFL seasons in the past and shown a little bit of explosiveness, so he's not. You know, he's not this like, you know, slow, uh, you know, catch uh, two touchdowns in one game tight end and then never be heard from again. Like he's he's more of a consistent um, aspect of this offense, I think. Um, just yeah, going back, he's an athletic guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just going back to Dobbs real quick. I mean, I will point out like um, he uh, or I'm sorry, not Dobbs, Kirk uh, and, and Ridley. Kirk has gotten a lot of um, targets when they face teams that run a lot of man coverage. So. Maybe that's something. I mean, that's a real hard thing for a fantasy manager to uh, figure out each and every week whether the defense is run man or or zone. Um, but like, it, it, when when teams run a lot of man, um, you're going to see more more targets for Kirk. And maybe when it's zone, maybe that's when you get more for Ridley. Okay. All right. Do you want to you want to go? Well, where do you want to go next? Which game? 
Uh, let's let's move to uh, the Dolphins and Bills game you were talking about. I mean, that's that yeah. was the game of the week uh, in terms of uh, top two of the top teams in the league. It, it ended up not being super competitive. Um, it, it looked like it was going to be 70-70. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Dolphins are coming off that seventy point game, and there's a track record of teams uh, that are, have scored sixty plus um, losing the following week. So that continued here. Um, but I think obviously the big thing to discuss is Devon A. Chayan and what he continues to do. Uh, in this game, he actually played more snaps than Raheem Mostert and put up much, much more fantasy production than Mostert. Scored two touchdowns, ran for over 100 yards on only eight carries. Yeah, um, I'm not like gonna super overreact to this game though. I mean, Mostert uh, did make a terrific downfield catch in this game. Um, he didn't get much going on the ground, but. Uh, the Dolphins got in some real negative game script and just didn't get to run the ball nearly as much as they usually would like to. So I'm sticking with my feeling that both of these guys are every week RB2s. Okay. I, I see you have HN 36 overall, Mostert 37. I have HN 38, so pretty close to you, but I, I dropped Mostert down to 57. So I have Mostert like 20 spots lower. And some of it is Jeff Wilson's coming back, you know, off IR, presumably this week, right? Like they can they can activate him. He'll probably get in the mix a little bit, but Achan is the one that's like not going away, right? He's he's been the explosive guy. He's been the one scoring the touchdowns. I think just Mostert's been pretty explosive too, though. <laughs> he has, he has. It's just like when you think about like, yeah, when you think about upside. I mean, I think Mostert also has had a track record of getting injured. I mean, maybe Achan will too. I mean, we're not going to predict injuries, I suppose. But like, I just had to, I had to get Achan like a, a bit higher than Mostert, and it's not just this one game. I just think like. I think we're seeing a shift, and I think if Jeff Wilson's back, I don't think that's going to take away from HN. I think it'll take away a little bit from Mostert. I don't think it's going to take away from either. I think I think that Jeff Wilson will be, will be sort of like put in storage until he's needed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, like they have such a good thing going with this running game right now. I, I I mean I think you might see Salvin Ahmed be inactive once once Wilson's back potentially, but yeah, um, really I think he you know Wilson's more of an insurance plan for if one of the other two guys does get hurt I think um now he is a different type of runner I mean Mostert and A-Chan are both incredibly fast um so um you know they're both I think they both have some injury risk um like you said uh but I don't know I I, I need to see more than one week of A-Chan playing more snaps than Mostert before I feel like that's going to be the status quo I'm not I'm not convinced of that quite yet but we'll yeah, see I Okay. I think the you know the bigger takeaway I guess on the Bills side is just like them asserting their dominance of the AFC East, right? <laughs> 40 putting up 48 points on the Dolphins and of course Josh Allen looking like an MVP, three of his touchdown passes to Stefan Diggs and one to my boy Gabe Davis who I have in more than one league, you know, just three targets but he's always a big play guy. So very boom bust that Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs is we talked about him as being like this you know, he can have games like this, but I think of Diggs as more of just this 80 to 100 yards and a touchdown every week, finish as the wide receiver five or six. But, you know, gosh, if he has another game or two like this, he could finish as the wide receiver one or two. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, it certainly could. Um, I For me, it's I digging a little deeper on the Bills side. I, I mean, James Cook did not have a, a super great game. I mean, he did get a touchdown, but um, he only got one target in the passing game, which you would hope mm -hmm. for more than that from James Cook. That was supposed to be his selling point because he doesn't really get many goal line looks. He did get one 
inside the five yard line here, but it was right after Mur- Latavius Murray busted like a 29 yard run. And <laughs> Latavius Murray is, uh, he's a significant part of this offense, whether people like it or not. I didn't, my bet on him scoring a touchdown, uh, the first or last touchdown in this game didn't pay out, but it easily could have. I mean, if he hadn't, uh, you know, he's, he's still the guy that's getting the majority of their red zone um, carries. So mm-hmm. just something to keep in mind with cook, because you know, like we were talking about, his ceiling is kind of like a high-end RB2 uh, if he's not getting the goal line. And if he's not getting the passing down work, um, it could be even a little lower than that. And then also Dalton Kincaid, I know you're not a fan, but his no. snaps uh, increased, his routes increased in this game. Didn't really show up in the box score, yet, um, but uh, he is starting to um, put a little space between himself and Dawson Knox. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, no, that's, I mean... Their snap, their, their snap shares were like pretty much 50-50, but you're right. Like, I mean, Kincaid is starting to run more routes. This is what I expect of a rookie tight end, right? To be kind of almost invisible for a month and then start to kind of ramp up. Like Sam Laporta is doing something that not many tight ends, rookie tight ends do. Kincaid is, this is more like what I would expect. And I have no problem, you know, a couple weeks from now moving Kincaid up my rankings. But for now, he's he's buried. Yeah, and they're not using him in a particularly fantasy-friendly way either right now. It's like really right. low dot targets and things like that. So there's definitely um, – I, I I agree with your basic premise. Like I, I haven't been ranking him as a, as a viable streaming tight end. I just think uh, it does seem like we might be seeing a little bit of movement towards them, um, making him a little more of a focus in the offense. Yep. Keep, I mean, keep him on your watch list too. Cause he like the bye weeks, you know, we're getting into week five. Uh, the bills aren't on a bye, but some, you know, we have four teams on a bye, And once these bye weeks start hitting guys start like him, start hitting the waiver wire. Exactly. All right. So moving on to the Bronco or the Broncos, uh, 31, the bears 28 in the matchup of, uh, terrible, terrible defenses. Um, yep. It ended up being very fantasy friendly. You know, this was why I was saying, don't, <laughs> don't stream uh the Broncos defense in this game <laughs> they're just too <laughs> terrible to use honestly they're the worst defense in the NFL I think and the Bears are not far behind um so it was a good day for Justin Fields uh at least statistically um 335 yards four passing touchdowns um he also carried the ball only four times though for 25 yeah. yards and I don't know man like he, first of all he kind of uh, choked a little bit down the stretch in this game and might have you know cost them the game to some extent even though his play early in the game obviously put them in that big lead but yeah um I just wonder about his confidence after a couple turnovers late in this game cost them the game uh and then just the lack of designed runs also is not what you're looking for for fantasy because they're not going to be playing the Denver Broncos every week yeah, the, the the lack of design runs is what's really getting to me because I do I you know we've talked about this before I have Fields in multiple leagues and uh, I benched him I didn't even, I didn't even get this game out of him because I started Kirk Cousins instead and I might do that again this coming week um, I mean I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna just insert Justin Fields into my lineup because yeah he had a really good first half and then like you said he kind of struggled a bit in the second half at times so I don't think Fields is just like this locked in top ten you know quarterback again uh, I definitely want to see him running more. And until we see that, I'm not. I'm still kind of playing matchups with him, you know. And this was a matchup that you could certainly play him in. Uh, I didn't in a couple leagues. One league I did. So that's just kind of how I'm looking at Fields right now. He's not. He's not locked in. And I think the big, the bigger story on the other side is uh, you know Javante Williams dealing with a little bit of an injury. Sounds like he might not miss too much time. But even still, Jaleel McLaughlin, uh, the rookie, was he was involved early. Uh, this guy, you know, we we're talking about Achan. 
McLaughlin also is five foot seven, speedy guy. So some of these guys like this this type. I mean, we we talked about Tank Dell and some small receivers. You know, we've been talking about these guys. Well, now we're seeing some running backs who even Deuce Vaughn. When we get to the Dallas game, he got a little bit involved. So like some of these small backs are getting more involved. Maybe they won't be durable in the NFL. But when you're talking redraft, they're explosive. And so you got you know this is someone you have to prioritize uh, who's available in a ton of leagues if you're looking at waiver wire tomorrow. Yeah, it's, you know, this is the classic kind of player that Sean Payton <laughs> likes because, yep you know, Youngstown State, undrafted free agent running back, uh, just like kind of coming out of nowhere. So kind of makes Sean Payton seem like the smartest guy in the room if he can get value <laughs> out of this player. Um, I'm pretty skeptical that Jamal McG- Jaleel McLaughlin is going to be like a viable fantasy starter all season, but... Um, if Javante Williams misses time, it does seem like McLaughlin might have a slight edge over Samaj P. Ryan, who hasn't really been anything special in Denver. Um, and even once Williams comes back, it's it's not looking great for him. I mean, he hadn't played more than 45% of the snaps in any game uh, prior to uh, getting hurt. So it's a, I mean, it to me, this just is even more so now a three-man committee, uh, which is pretty gross for fantasy purposes. Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, as far as Javante, I've moved him down into Najee Harris territory, territory in my rest of season ranking. So, like, you talk about someone who, like, you know, has a little bit of upside and could be the number one back, but like, there's, it's, it's a committee, and we don't know how good the offense is. You know, that's kind of where he fits for me. I don't know if he's. You might have Najee further down, but with with the injury now, I just think those two are kind of they're, they're they were kind of in the same area for me. Yeah, I guess it's hard to say. I mean, like. For me, I actually do have him ranked right right there with Najee as well. So I just think it's a very different situation. Like um, I like Javante Williams more as a player than Najee Harris, um, and I like theoretically the Denver situation better uh, than Pittsburgh's, um, just because okay. it seems like they're going to be in a lot of high scoring shootouty kind of games. Um, but Najee Harris is. You know he's it's a it's surprising when he doesn't play over fifty percent of the snaps, whereas that never happens for Javante Williams. So I still think there's more predictable volume with Najee, and that's why I I have them pretty similarly ranked. Well, you had a note on here in our in our show note about Khalil Herbert potentially sell high. So he had eighteen carries for one hundred and three yards. Um, he also had a receiving touchdown. You know, four catches. So you know he's working ahead of Roshan in this game, but we've seen Roshan getting a lot of work as well uh Deontay Foreman's been inactive I think pretty much every week um so what are you thinking on Khalil Herbert have you moved him up or or is this are you thinking sell high you had the question mark next to it so I'm curious what your thoughts are here well I think it's both like I have moved him up I also think he could be a sell high uh prior to this game he had not gotten double digit carries in a game yet this season and he got 18 in this game because they had this favorable game script where they were up 21 to 7 at halftime um the Bears are not going to be up twenty-one to seven very often this season. Let's be real. So, oh yeah. And I also don't. You know, this was a week where the all the inside beat writer reports um, were. And I, don't get me wrong; like it's a tough job, and they do a lot of great work. So I'm not here to slam anybody. But I saw a list of like things that were reported this week by insiders that ended up just being completely wrong. And it was a <laughs> it was a long list of things. And one of them was that Roshan Johnson was going to get more work this week and that didn't happen at all um, yeah. Herbert got 
bell cow usage in this game. So uh, if he continued to get that kind of usage and the Bears actually could run the ball as much as they did in this game, I think he could be really valuable. I just question both of those things. Like I still think Roshan Johnson is going to get more work as the season goes along. And I just think the, the situation with this Bears team is scary for running backs. Like you, you're going to have a lot of games where they're just not going to get many carries. Yeah, we're going to find out again pretty soon because they play Thursday night against Washington at Washington, and Washington's favored by six and a half. Um, th- this could be a close game. You know, we'll, we'll have to see. Like, I, again, I think this could be a little bit more low scoring. Washington has a much better defense, I think, uh, than Denver. So, like, again, with Fields, uh, with Herbert, Herbert's going to be like a borderline kind of RB3 flex type play for me. I, I don't know that I'm just going to trust this. It, it's hard to trust anything from this game, you know, for either team because these defenses are so bad. Yeah, like Cole Komet had a huge game, but I mean, mm-hmm. you should like just look at how wide open he was in the middle of the field on those long catches. I mean, it was it doesn't tell you a lot. Like he's not going to have that kind of space very often <laughs> against right. like defenses that are actually functional. And uh, on the Denver side, also uh, Cortland Sutton continues to play more than Jerry Judy. Like, so I don't know if Judy can still be seen as. Uh, the number one receiver in this offense. I think it might be slightly in Sutton's favor right now. Mm, man, I'm I'm still holding out hope for Judy. I mean, you're right on like the you know the the usage right now. But I just I came into the season I like Judy. I only got him in one league, uh, but like I still he's someone who I actually played last week in the league. And moving forward, he's just like that guy I want to get in in a flex. But it it has been a little bit frustrating to start the season. So yeah, where do you want to get? Yeah. It's just like the I guess that's kind of like the theme of this podcast right now is these these <laughs> wide receiver rooms where it's hard to know who the number one guy is, who the number two guy is, and I think this is another example of that. And really, maybe the number one guy should be Marvin Mims because he's leading the team in receiving yardage this season, even though he barely ever plays. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, and he's he's a baller. He, I mean I know we got Brandon Johnson into our rankings at the very bottom, but Mims is that Mims is really that third receiver when it, he, he's the guy that we should have ranked uh, higher and who knows by the end of the year he might be he might be the top Bronco receiver in our he should be rankings. but the problem is they used too high a draft pick on him so you know Sean Payton can't say he <laughs> found him out of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on to the Ravens and the Browns uh, this game was a debacle for the Browns 28 to 3 yeah. Ravens um, there's some weird stories coming out now about um, Kevin Stefanski said that uh, Deshaun Watson was medically cleared for this game, but made his own choice not to play because he oh. had a, a bruised shoulder and didn't feel healthy enough to go. Um, so that's something to watch. Just like, what is that all about? But uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was clearly not ready <laughs> to face this Ravens defense on short notice. Um, he yeah. looked awful. Uh, you see the physical tools, but man, he threw three interceptions and he could have thrown even more in this game. Um, in terms of takeaways, it's hard for me to take a lot out of this game because uh, it was just such a one-sided game where, you know, Cleveland didn't have their starting quarterback. So, um, you know, and the Ravens too, like, you know, Justice Hill missed most of the week of practice. So he didn't play all that much in this game. It was really the Gus Edwards show. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I have trouble with, with many big takeaways other than like, you remember why Mark Andrews uh, was a high fantasy draft pick. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy for me is that the time of possession was actually like pretty split right down the middle, and yet the Ravens, you know, came away twenty-eight to three. Because if you like, 
you know, they just didn't move. Like, the three interceptions obviously hurt, you know, giving them good field position at times and things like that. But I'll say one real quick, it, it is hard to take away some things from this, but when you look at the running back committee and Justice Hill, you know, Gus Edwards, Melvin Gordon a little bit, um, Keaton Mitchell is someone who is now 17% rostered in Yahoo. So a lot of people are looking at, you know, this rookie who's been hurt with a shoulder. Uh, people are stashing him on IR. That just tells you how savvy managers are now. Like Keaton Mitchell five years ago would be the type of guy who would be like 0% rostered until he came back, you know, but now people are like, all right, I'm going to stash him, see what happens. And this is, you know, this is someone at ECU who was very productive. And he's also, again, one of these smaller guys who's really fast. And I mean, they, the Ravens could use someone like that. We, we're seeing these other teams use him. So why couldn't he be a Devon A-Chain type or A-Chan, excuse <laughs> me, uh, I mean, the, the opportunity could be there, right? No one's really just taking this role and running with it. Yeah, although, I mean, I don't know. Like, I still think Justice Hill is the best bet to be that that player, but we'll see. I I don't really fully understand the Keaton Mitchell thing. Like, I've seen a lot of um, people picking him up, but I, I don't fully understand the argument for him. Um, I guess it's just that, the, like you said, the running back room is, is kind of wide open right now. Yeah, I mean, Justice Hill's, he's fine, but, like, he's been with the Ravens for, like, what, three, four years? And he's hes never really done much. Maybe he, he's getting his chance now, but, like, Gus Edwards isn't really good as a pass catcher. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake, these are guys who were picked up off the streets. We've seen the, the Ravens do that with other guys, Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, and others. But So I could see Melvin Gordon having some value, but I could also see them just be being cut, maybe if Keaton Mitchell gets healthy and actually looks good. Yeah, no. well, it's, it's just speculative. At it this is point, you it's know? definitely definitely something to watch. And on the Brown side, uh, you know, I feel like Jerome Ford is kind of solidifying his role as like a sixty to seventy percent of the snaps kind of guy. Like Kareem Hunt, I just don't see it. Like I don't see him um, making it a true committee. And uh, they're still sprinkling in Pierre Strong a little bit too. He had a few ex- uh, explosive plays in this game, so um, you know that's more coming at Hunt's expense than anything. I think. Well, here's a quick question before we move on. Elijah Moore, who's about 65% rostered still, the Browns are on a bye now this week. Uh, are you are you trying to hold him through the bye week, you know, in a 10-12 team league, or are you okay kind of cutting him? Because, I mean, obviously he'll look better with Watson. This was, this was kind of a one-off game without his starting quarterback. You know, we were just talking about how he and Cooper were getting more targets or kind of similar targets. So what do you think about Elijah Moore? I actually just cut him in a league uh, to pick up Wandale Robinson <laughs> before this game started tonight. So. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I would try to hold them if you can. I mean, prior to this game, which again, <laughs> Dorian Thompson Robinson, like just doesn't tell you much at all. Like the two previous right. games, he had uh, combined 18 targets, nine targets in each game. So that's a pretty healthy total. Plus he's getting some rushing work. I mean, he's already carried the ball uh, seven times this season. So, uh, you know, that there's potential there now of course this in this particular game you ran backwards <laughs> so if that's going to happen the rushes won't be valuable but <laughs> i don't know i still i still think that cleveland's going to need to throw the ball a decent amount um just without nick chubb and uh, yeah. even though they do have like that, that really good defense so i i think there's a decent chance elijah moore is like a wide receiver three but he doesn't really have wide receiver two upside in my opinion so you okay. know it's format dependent if you would drop him yeah. Okay. So eight and ten team leagues, he's probably you know if you need if you need to, he, he could be a casualty. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Next, next game is the Bengals and the Titans, and um, yeah, I mean, obviously the big takeaway here is that the Bengals continue to look terrible. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, they're the worst offense in the NFL through four games. Uh, not many people would have predicted that. Um, Joe Burrow probably still not even close to healthy. Uh, T. Higgins fractured a rib in this game. He could potentially mm-hmm. uh, miss a couple games, although he's refusing to rule himself out for week five, so we'll see. I mean, rib inju- injuries are often a pain tolerance issue, so it's possible he plays, but it's hard to have a ton of confidence in anyone in this offense right now. I mean, you know, Joe Mixon still gets volume, but uh, we knew he'd have a tough sledding against Tennessee and, and Jamar chase seven catches, 73 yards, but I moved him down quite a bit in my rest of season rankings. Cause I just don't have a lot of confidence in this offense right now. Yeah. I, now that you say that, I'm like, I probably should move chase down a couple spots. I didn't move him down too much, especially with T Higgins. Like you mentioned the injury. So chase is going to just continue to get volume over the next couple weeks uh, before they hit their bye week But as far as burrow, man, I'm looking at my week five rankings. They play at Arizona, which should be, a close game. I mean, they should even win this game, but who knows, right? Like Dallas just lost to Arizona. And uh, Joe Burrow, I have him right now, tentatively penciled in as my QB 19 uh, at Arizona. Like I'm just, without T. Higgins and the way he looks, I mean, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now for fantasy. Like obviously he's not the, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league overall. We know he's good, but like right now, I just, I wouldn't start Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, to me, this was a litmus test. If he couldn't get it done against the Titans, I mean, they are a total pass funnel defense. Yep. So uh, I don't see how you could have him anywhere near your top 12 quarterbacks until he shows a vintage Burrow performance. No uh, way. And then on the Tennessee side, this was a rare situation where they they had a huge positive game script. That's not something they've had this season, and that's been a reason that Derrick Henry has underperformed. I, I'll admit I got this totally wrong. I thought... I thought this was going to be a bounce back game for the Bengals offense and that the Titans were going to be a negative game script and uh, Derrick Henry wasn't going to get as much work as you would like to see, but it was the opposite. And, and, you know, Henry gets 22 carries for 122 yards and a touchdown and even throws another touchdown as we've seen him do in the past. (laughs) Um, So this was like a vintage Derrick Henry performance. Um, I know you're kind of down on DeAndre Hopkins generally. I, I think yeah. he showed some promise in this game, and he almost scored. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, four catches, 63 yards is not terrible either. I, I feel like Hopkins is starting to uh, get back on track, and I, I expect him to, to uh, continue to um, improve his performances. But I have moved him down some, uh, but not as much as you, I don't think. Yeah, you have him at 66, I have him at 87. So we're about 20 spots apart. I just, yeah, I'm not that crazy about him. You mentioned Mixon. I think the volume could should still be there. And again, like in a, in a matchup against Arizona, I think Mixon, he's still in your lineup, right? Like <laughs> you can't sit Mixon with the potential volume uh, that, I mean, and if anything, he can get just more volume if Burrow's still hurt, right? Like they should at least try to to run the ball a little bit with, with Mixon. Be nice if they would throw to him a little bit. He got one That'd target nice in the last game. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, and uh, you know Tyler Boyd is another name to talk about on as a waiver wire pickup. I know it's not sexy yeah. with how this offense looks, but if T. Higgins is in fact out, I do think Tyler Boyd, uh, even with what this offense is doing, is still at least on the wide receiver three radar. Oh yeah, when I was I was looking at waivers, he was thirty seven or so percent rostered. So he's he's very available. Um, you know, there's some there's some higher upside guys out there, but yeah, you could do worse. I mean, Tyler Boyd's going to get some targets, and uh, yeah, I like that call. Yep. Okay, next game: uh, Rams 29 and the Colts 23. Uh, the Puka Nakua legend just continues to grow <laughs> with his uh, 
Huge performance yet again. Nine catches, 163 yards, and the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Uh, almost missed his uh, game ball in the locker room after <laughs> because yeah. he was uh, he was rushing to get back. Must have been doing some interviews or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean this this team is honestly uh, the Rams. I'm talking about has they they have shifted fantasy the fantasy landscape more than any other team so far this season because. Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua are the top two waiver wire pickups of the entire season. And they may be for the entire season. These two guys have rocketed up my rankings. I have Kyron Williams uh, above Puka just because um, he's like every down (laughs) running back who's catching passes. and, And I don't think the Cooper cup return is going to impact him too much. Uh, it, you know, like like we said, I think Puka can coexist with Cup and still be really good. But um, I just need to see exactly what that's going to look like before I move him up into like wide receiver one territory or anything like that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. We both have Puka kind of around like 50th overall, and uh, Kyron Williams is 18th for you and 36 for me. So definitely up there as far as like a rock solid RB two. Um, I don't really have too much else to add. On the Ram side, I mean, I mean, I think Kyron Williams could be an RB one though. That's the thing; he's been a top seven running back in three of the first four games this season. He definitely could. I mean, like if he keeps it going. I mean, we are a month into it. He's like you said, just people who got him off off waivers. Like you're you're loving this. I mean, just ride it out. (laughs) Um, Ronnie Rivers did get a little bit more involved in this game, which I mean, whatever. He's just a backup, but he did he did get a few more snaps and actually was involved a little bit yeah and, and Williams is reportedly dealing with a little bit of a hip injury himself much like Stafford but um they both stayed in the game so I I, I would expect him to be fine for week five yeah I was just going to mention on the on the Colts side and we already talked about Jonathan Taylor kind of the Zach Moss thing but you know Anthony Richardson is obviously the big news you know a lot of people drafted him in the mid you know kind of middle rounds and he's he's really looking like that that I don't want to say late round quarterback because he's really kind of like mid round uh, now. Like you can't really get the the late round, but he's like kind of this year's version of Justin Fields, right? He's getting the design runs. Um, he's looking better as a passer than a lot of people thought, me included. I mean, he was still was he was eleven of twenty five here. I mean, I'm not saying he's like <laughs> looking great as a passer, but at least competent, like to stay in a game and had ten runs, you know, ten rushes, you know, found the end zone. He was one of my anytime touchdown. Uh, picks by the way uh, this week I had him Jamar Chase and Ken Kenneth Walker so two of my three hits so that was that was nice to be in the positive there with my anytime touchdown bets nice yeah, yeah. I mean Richardson has shot up uh, my rankings and I was pretty aggressive on him coming into the season like most people were but um, now it's uh, you know if you want to talk about like where he ranks among quarterbacks um, like I'd definitely take him over uh, Joe Burrow at this point uh, oh easily yeah easily and, and i would take him <laughs> i would take him over trevor lawrence yep um so yeah i mean i've got richardson as my uh qb7 right now so me too i'm uh, right there with you i'm looking at our rankings right now i'm we're pretty much right in line as like he's in this little tier of his own kind of behind Tua and lamar jackson and some of these guys but ahead of lawrence ahead of way ahead of fields um ahead of cousins like you know you mentioned burrow easily i mean he's just He's in this, and we could be talking about Richardson, you know, as like up in this this tier with Tua and and Lamar as well here in, in a week or two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's on the other hand not particularly great news for uh, Michael Pittman that that Richardson is back. I think he probably would be a little better off with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, to be honest. Yeah. But 
Um, he only caught one pass for 15 yards in this game. I, I think it's going to be, you know, he's still a wide receiver three, but I, I'm going to have trouble ranking him as a wide receiver two with, in, until Richardson shows a little more uh, accuracy with his, uh, yeah. his passing. Yep, same. All right, uh, next game on the docket is the Buccaneers 26 and the Saints 9. Uh, I got to say, man, Baker Mayfield just keeps getting it done. He keeps playing well. Three touchdown passes in this game, even though Mike Evans departed relatively early with a hamstring uh, pull. Uh, Hopefully Evans isn't going to miss time. Um, They're on bye uh, in week five, so I think – the latest uh, news is that he it's it's pretty it's more of a tweak than a pull, um, so maybe he uh, will be fine for week six. But something to keep an eye on with him. And I did I will say uh, you know I said I got um, that that Bengals game all wrong. I did get this one right. Chris Godwin uh, yeah. with Evans uh, getting the treatment from Lattimore. Chris Godwin had a, a, his his first really big game of the season. Eight catches, 114 yards. Yeah, that definitely helped helped your call there. Um, as, you know, Evans going out and having the Lattimore treatment. Um, on the Saints side, I'll just say in general, like I was just surprised by this game. I thought the Saints would win this game. I thought the Saint, I thought the score would be flipped. You know, and I think Derek Carr, maybe not completely healthy. You know, Chris Olave had a stinker of a game, and just <laughs> I know the guy in my guillotine league who has Chris Olave. He's getting chopped this week. Now it wasn't all Olave's fault, but like. You, you just can't have multiple bad, you know, outings like this on your guillotine league or you're going to have the the low score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, like, Alvin Kamara, like, being back with 13 catches <laughs> for just 33 yards. But, man, getting all those receptions sure is nice if you're in any kind of half PPR or certainly full PPR league. That uh, was a though. crazy stat line, though, man. That was I, – I read that that was the fewest yards on uh, 10 or more catches by a lot. The previous <laughs> – uh, low was 71 yards oh my god <laughs> this is 33 <laughs> yards on 13 catches yeah unbelievably uh low a dot uh, receptions for Kamara but he did step right back into a, a true bell cow role I was a little disappointed that Kendra Miller was just completely shelved essentially me too um so yeah I mean I, you know I'm still stashing uh Miller in like a deeper league but um, it's hard to be super optimistic about him now, considering he couldn't uh, he couldn't establish himself when his competition with Tony Jones, and now now it's Kamara. Yeah, it's good news if you have, if you've been holding on to Kamara. I mean, it, really, the, it's like the news of the week is like you got Kamara back, you got Jameson Williams as a waiver wire guy. We have Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. All these like people who drafted these guys, knowing like you're getting like this discount, like you're you're starting to get these guys back. So like. If you're like an 0 and 4 team and you have one of these guys, it stinks, right? Like, but if you're like 3 and 1 or 4 and 0 and you have one of these guys, like you all of a sudden have a championship roster. I feel like with some of these guys potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, a couple other thoughts. Like, I don't think the Saints should have should have played Derek Carr in this game. Like, right? They should have just let him get healthy. Like, it didn't work out very well. I mean, why do you have Jameis Winston on the roster if you're gonna? Um, play Derek Carr at way less than 100. Uh, percent You know, it it seems like that wasn't giving them the best chance to win this particular game against a division rival. Uh, and then just one other small note on the Buccaneers side, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn played ahead of Sean Tucker mm-hmm. in this game as the backup running back to Rashad White. So if you're stashing Tucker as like a upside handcuff, um, I, I don't think you need to do that anymore. Like it's, you know, at the very least it's ambiguous, which of them 
uh, would be the lead back if, if White were to go down at this point. Yeah, and they, the Bucks are on a bye this week, so like you can drop you know either backup. I mean, don't drop Rashad White, of course, but like Keyshawn Vaughn, we've seen him before, and he did nothing in this game either. Like he's just he's not a good player. So like I feel like Tucker could get a chance later in the season, but like neither you don't have to you don't have to roster either backup at this point. Like yeah, you said, I think that's a good call. Uh, all right, Commanders Eagles. The Eagles win it thirty four to thirty one in overtime and. You know, they call him Riverboat Ron, but Ron Rivera chooses to kick the extra point when they scored the tying touchdown in the final seconds of the fourth quarter rather than going for two to win the game on the road as huge underdogs. I don't really get that. I guess he said they were winded and that's why, but it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. I mean, you got it. You got to go for the kill against a team like the Eagles when you have the chance. Absolutely. I was saying this, like, I was sitting here watching the end of this game with my wife, and I said exactly that. I'm like, because Sam Howell led a really nice drive, and I'm sitting here like, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> count my chickens before they hatch, but, like, if they score here, they absolutely need to be going for two for all those reasons. It's like, you know, they shouldn't even be in this position, you know, against the Eagles. Like, you got to go for the win. And they didn't, and <laughs> the Eagles won. Um, but what about, like, rest of season takeaways from this? Like, I mentioned Sam Howell, like, he had a bad game last week, but like this is a much better game against a tough defense. I mean, you can throw on Philly, but like that it wasn't just the final drive. Like, you know, he he looked pretty good. He didn't have any interceptions. I think Sam Howell is like I mean, in, in two QB leagues, like you have to like him like dynasty leagues if you'd drafted him late in a rookie draft or picked him up or traded for him. Like Sam Howell's his dynasty value is certainly on the up, right? I think so. <laughs> I, I like him more as a redraft super flex QB um, because of his rushing upside, uh, which he showed with six carries for 40 yards in this yeah. game. Um, he's actually finished as a top 14 quarterback in three of the first four weeks this season. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, but he's also leading the league, I believe, in sacks. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, he took five more sacks in this game. Um, so that's a problem. And uh I still have my doubts that he's the long-term solution at quarterback for this team. I feel like he's he might be one of those players that's better in fantasy than in reality, but we'll see. Um, I do have him ranked fairly uh, aggressively in, in our rest of season rankings, just because of uh, you know what he's what he's doing in terms of performance. Like I think this is his job for this season. So mm-hmm. I I like I have him neck and neck with Jordan Love, uh, who obviously has uh, been even better from a fantasy perspective. But I, I think Howell could definitely overtake him. Uh, I think that kind of makes sense. And I just want to point out, like, with the Commanders, I mentioned they're they're playing the Bill, uh, the Bills. They're playing the Bears on Thursday night this week. So, like, terrible defense. Like, you're going to be able to start a lot of these guys. Uh, maybe even Antonio Gibson in a flex, even though he has been moving down our rankings uh, in a pinch. You might want to start Antonio Gibson this week. Yeah, I guess. I, you know, I, this was the week I like kind of lost faith in Antonio Gibson because um, I still think he's going to play more snaps than Brian Robinson in games where they have a lot of negative game script. But the problem is the snaps aren't really translating into touches. You touches, know, like I know. he only got one target in this game. <laughs> like, what the heck, man? Like, throw the ball to the Antonio Gibson. Maybe that's a howl I thing. I mean, he scrambles himself, so maybe that prevents him from dumping it off to the running back. Um, but whatever the case may be, like Antonio Gibson's just not getting enough touches for me to uh, feel confident in him, even if it's a game where I think he might play more than 50% of the snaps. 
Um, the guy that keeps getting dropped in my leagues is Jahan Dotson, and I don't think he should be getting dropped, honestly. I hmm. I still think he's a talented player. He scored a, the, the game-tying touchdown in this game. Only four catches for 27 yards, but he had nine targets. Yeah. Um, I, I still think Dotson is a big play kind of a guy. And, uh, you know, he may not have a ton of consistency from week to week, but this is a guy that scored a lot of touchdowns in his uh, short NFL career to this point. Well, anything on the Eagles side? I mean, like people know who to start there. Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, AJ Brown had a huge, huge game. Uh, you know, obviously like Jalen Hurts is one of our top three quarterbacks in that tier up there but any anything else to add like takeaways uh well dallas goddard <laughs> yeah i mean dallas goddard definitely is moving down our rankings he just you know when aj brown and devonta smith are both healthy and doing their thing there's just not i mean you know we think of this as a high-powered offense and it is but i mean jalen hurts mm-hmm. does a lot of it with his own legs yep. um and then of course they have this phenomenal offensive line so they open up these huge holes for their running backs i do feel a little more confident in DeAndre Swift after this game. I, you know, I still feel like we could get the rug pulled out from us at some point with yeah. DeAndre Swift, but he's got huge upside in this offense because they probably have the best offensive line in the NFL. Yep. Um, I mean, the holes he was running through were just unreal in this game. Um, so, uh, and actually, even more so in the previous game against Tampa Bay. But, um, but yeah, Goddard. It's just there's just not a lot of targets there. I mean, he's got. 19 targets through four games uh, as the clear third option in this passing attack. And it's it's just not a super high-volume passing attack. So Swift, uh, we, we both have Swift ranked like almost identical, 47th and 48th overall. But I'm looking at like other running backs around there. Like I have Swift ranked uh, up just above Kamara. You have Kamara higher. I have Swift above Mostert. You have Mostert higher. So like we some of these guys we've just recently talked about, like, we're we're higher or lower, but Swift, like what you, what you said about potentially having the rug pulled from under you, I think this is what's keeping our ranking a bit lower because we could, I mean, Swift could be 20, 30 spots higher, honestly, like kind of like a Kyron Williams. It, you know, if we didn't think that, uh, well, he's going to get hurt or the Eagles are going to start playing Kenny Gainwell more or whatever, right? Yeah, or maybe Rashad Penny reemerges in like sure. week 12 or something, you know, like yep. this yep. is just kind of the Eagles. I don't, I just don't fully trust it, but there's no doubt that, Right now, with Swift locked into lead back duties, he's a high upside RB2 at, at worst. Yep, for sure. Um, so any other thoughts on, on that one? I don't think so. I feel like with the Eagles, you know, when we talk about these, it's like, you know who to play, but Goddard, Goddard's the one for me. Like, he's yeah. he's just he's Logan Thomas down. on the other side. You taking him over Goddard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, on a week-to-week basis, it's not crazy, right? Like It's but, close. It's a lot closer than it was yeah. coming into the season. But rest of season, no. Like I'm not going to drop Goddard for Logan Thomas. I mean, it's a, it's a situation where we've talked about before with certain guys. Like it's okay to bench. Like I've benched Justin Fields and it played Kirk Cousins for a couple weeks, right? Stuff like that. Like you could bench Goddard and play a Logan Thomas or a Hunter Henry or whatever. Like, but no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to just drop him for Logan yeah. Thomas. And I don't really like carrying multiple tight ends either. So honestly, there's yeah. not a lot actionable with this Goddard thing. I mean, the only player right. that was widely available coming into the season that I've ranked higher than Goddard at tight end to Sam Laporta. And he's mm-hmm. obviously been gobbled up everywhere at this point. So beyond oh, yeah. that, all the other guys are the usual suspects and are hundred percent rostered in league. So you kind of just have to stick with Goddard if you have him, I think. Yeah. Unfortunately for now, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Vikings 21, Panthers 13. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins had a couple interceptions in this game, including a pick six from the goal line that was returned almost 100 yards for a TD. Hmm. Uh, not his greatest performance by any stretch. Did still throw two touchdown passes. You know, Justin Jefferson is going to get his, and he caught both of those TDs. Um, I, you know, I think the main talking point on the Viking side is the backfield because there were reports that Cam Akers was going to get more involved and they were going to go with a hot hand approach. And I think that's that was one of those insider reports that's pretty much true. They, It's just Alexander Madison came right out and busted a few big gains right at the beginning of the game, and he was the hot hand. So Akers mm-hmm. didn't look bad when he got a chance. Um, and it, maybe it's like a 70-30 or 60-40 committee now between those two, but uh, Madison didn't do anything to lose the starting job in this game. No, and you know Madison's still in that sort of in the the 60s kind of overall in our rest of the season. I've definitely you know Acres has been creeping up a little bit uh, for me. Um, my takeaway from this is like kind of don't worry about too much about some of the Kirk Cousins and even even Jordan Addison only getting the one target. I know like I've kind of struck out on him lately, but like this is just like a weird game to where. If you look at the the time of possession, I was talking about how Ravens Browns was like split down the middle. This one's like forty twenty, uh, you know, for the for the Panthers. So like the the Vikings won this game. And they didn't have the ball that much, <laughs> so like they just they didn't have to do a whole lot. There's gonna be plenty of game scripts moving forward where the Vikings are trailing. You know, they play the Chiefs this weekend with uh, or this week in week five with the highest uh, implied point total. So like that's why I'm probably going to fire up Kirk Cousins over like a guy like Justin Fields. I'll go right back to him and not worry about this, you know, 19 pass attempts. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think this was an outlier. Uh, maybe like that's really interesting that the Panthers had that much time of possession, even though they had a pick six in this game. Cause usually when defense, when, when a team's defense gets a, a touchdown, it means that their offense has the ball less. Um, but maybe what I've been talking about with the Falcons in recent weeks is this ball control offense. I mean, the, the yeah. Panthers play at such a slow pace, yep. uh, so they really do sap a lot of clock, and maybe that um, reduces some of the offensive uh, upside of their opponents. So just something to keep in mind going forward there. Um, in, in terms of the Panthers, I mean, Miles Sanders was on the injury report with a groin injury during the week, uh, and you know we did see more Chuba Hubbard in this game. Uh, neither one of them looked particularly great. I mean, this offense is pretty gross. Like They're right up there with the Patriots as like, gross offenses I don't want much to do with um but (laughs) I will say Adam Thielen is pretty clearly uh the best option in this passing game at this point and he's he's a wide receiver too for me uh rest of season just based on um how much usage he's getting okay yeah I think you've moved him up a little bit more than me Jonathan Mingo was out in this game and not not that like Mingo has looked better than Thielen because he hasn't but I just think as the season goes on I expect Mingo to kind of improve and could end up being the guy you want here and even Terrace Marshall you know had 10 targets in this game but in general like none of these guys have like really moved up or down my rankings that much like none of these guys are even ranked that highly on the Panther side yeah I mean generally speaking if you can avoid starting Panthers you should I mean if you drafted Miles Sanders you're kind of stuck with him but uh, this is why like these these running backs you know Miles Sanders to me is in a similar category to a guy like Najee Harris where it's like Mm -hmm. you know they'll get the volume but the offense stinks and the players just okay. Not, not super dynamic. So um, it's, it's tends to leave you uh, wanting more. And like you said, there's not a whole lot you can likely do with them, but like, you never know. I mean, like someone who has Devon Achan might be like, Oh, Miles Sanders. Like 
you just you know your league and your league mates, right? Like you might be able to package something and get a guy who's a little more who's playing well and in a better position, higher powered offense, maybe a rookie or someone unproven like that. Maybe it's not H N, but like just off the top of my head, off of guys we've talked about. You know, you never know. You, you probably can't do much with guys like that, but I would at least feel it out because sometimes people look at those names that they know and, and, and kind of trust them and maybe think that they're going to bounce back even though we don't think that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or, you know, the other thing you can do is wait for a game where Sanders scores two touchdowns or something and and, yep. then, and then try to trade him, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Steelers and the Texans, 30-6 to six Texans. Uh, Kenny Pickett leaves this game with a knee injury. Um, it, he may not miss any time. He's it's a bru- a knee bruise, I guess is what they're saying. Uh, it looked a lot worse at the time it happened. So if if he's out, it means it's Mitch Trubisky. Uh, honestly, like in terms <laughs> of how it impacts their team, I'm not sure it really does that much because Kenny Pickett is not playing very well at all. So I don't think it'd be like a huge drop off to Mitch Trubisky uh, if that in case. In fact, is the case, but um, this is another team right there with the, the Panthers and the Patriots. Just teams that just don't really want to start players on. Yeah, I'm not really interested in anyone on this team. Uh, if anyone, maybe Deontay Johnson. If I could, if I could get him cheap because he's been on the IR with, I believe it was a hamstring, so he should be coming back in a couple weeks. Um, but like, I don't like trading for <laughs> guys who were who were injured. But like. At this point, it's like he's going to be back soon. He's on the you know comeback, I would think, on uh, sooner. So that's that's one name I probably would look at as a trade target if you can buy low. Um, on the Texan side, I think the big news is C.J. Stroud. We talked about him last week in waiver wire um, when I was putting together some waiver wire you know rankings for this week. He's still my number one guy. You you talked about how he's not only having had some good matchups. Um, but like he was, he was under 50% rostered. He still is. I think he was at 47% last I looked. He was 20% last week. He just looks awesome. And I keep seeing the numbers that he's putting up for a rookie. They're great. Um, I don't know if you saw me tweet out the, I, I bet on him to have more passing yards than Kenny Pickett in this game. I couldn't believe like that. That was like a, even odds. Like it was line. even odds. Basically, it wow. was like minus 110 either side. It was actually juiced heavier for Pickett. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. Wow. I, it's one of those bets where I'm like, I should have bet more, you know. <laughs> but of well, course. And, and teams never pass well against the Texans either. That's another thing. They just right. run the ball against them. And that and that that bet was over even b- before Pickett got hurt. It was like 200 yards to 100 yards or something, and then Pickett got hurt. You know. Yeah. So anyway, well, Pickett but, won't throw for 300 yards all season probably. So <laughs> no. Stroud Stroud is doing that, uh, or at least close to it, with regularity at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as far as the receivers go, I mean, Nico Collins with a massive game, and he's just playing really well, you know. I mean, I expect nothing less from a Michigan man. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's a it's a true wide receiver committee <laughs> with the Texans. So that's just something you have to realize that, like, it's going to be different guys, different weeks, you know. I mean, um, Tank Dell had a quiet game this week, huge game last week. Collins with the huge game this week. Robert Woods is still very involved too. But, I mean, their base set is three wide receivers at this point, and those guys are all playing about 70 75% of the snaps each week. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity. I mean, Woods is obviously a distant third because he doesn't have the same explosiveness at this stage of his career as the other two. Um, but, I, you know, I think Collins and, and Dell, they're, they're going to have their boom weeks and their bust weeks, but they're – Still both wide receiver threes at worst. 
Well, I'm looking at our rankings for quarterback. I want to go back to Stroud real quick, and I'll just ask you a couple real quick if you would drop uh, this person for C.J. Stroud because, you know, you have Stroud higher in your rankings. So I assume you probably would, but let's just go real quick. So would you drop uh, Deshaun Watson, who's on a bye this week, for C.J. Stroud? Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. Yeah. Um, Dak Prescott, it looks like you have Stroud above him in your rest of the season rankings. I do too. Or it's close for me, but yeah. Yeah. I, I I would do it. I mean, you know, the thing about these single QB leagues, it's like there's always going to be options. So go with the guy who's balling out right now. Yeah. Where it gets close for me is like a guy like Jared Goff. And this is where you and I are a little bit closer. I think that's where it's a little bit more of a decision. But still, like, I mean, I think Stroud probably has more upside. He's playing He's playing better. Um, the, the Lions have shown they can just run the ball a lot better, too. So Yeah, I mean, I think Goff is playing great, actually. It's just not... You know, it's not like last year where, I mean, the, the the Lions defense has just gotten so much better that they don't need him to be chucking the ball over the field quite as much as he has in the past. Right. Anything else from this game? Uh, I guess the one other thing I wanted to mention is that Damian Pierce, very quietly, you know, he was kind of left for dead, but he's been the uh, RB16 and the RB15 and half PPR mm-hmm. over the last two games. So uh, all is not lost for Damian Pierce. Yeah, and I saw, uh, I think it was Hayden Winks tweeted something earlier talking about how the Texans should be getting some offensive linemen back as soon as this week. And, I mean, this this team, I think I think preseason, the Texans were, their over-under was at six and a half wins. Um, I mean, they're looking like a team who could win eight or nine games. Uh, and, you know, if you look at their schedule coming up, this could be this could be a nice time to try to buy on Damian Pierce. So, I like, you know, mentioning that. I think he could be not necessarily a buy low, but just a buy. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And because, I mean, even when he wasn't putting up huge numbers, he was running tough. You know, he was getting hit yeah. in the backfield, breaking tackles and getting the most he could uh, given a bad situation that, like you said, could be getting a little bit better uh, soon. Yep. Um, next game is the Chargers 24 and the Raiders 17. Uh, so, you know, I liked Jimmy Garoppolo as a sneaky start last week. It turns out he was not able to clear the concussion protocol. So it was rookie Aiden O'Connell and, as you know, it's not that surprising when these mid to late round rookie quarterbacks uh, are thrust into uh, starting <laughs> and uh, don't do that well. And <laughs> Aiden O'Connell did not do that well in this game. Um, he did, however, check the ball off a whole bunch to Josh Jacobs. So uh, even though Jacobs still had kind of an uninspiring yards per carry average rushing the ball, uh, eight catches for 81 yards certainly paid the bills for fantasy. Yeah, I don't have a ton from this game rest of season, but I'll just mention as far as like this week in waiver wire, uh, I'd be back on Jimmy G, assuming that he could clear concussion protocol because they get the they get the Packers at home, and if Jair Alexander still is out, which I, I don't know, maybe he'll be back, and that that could that could make their defense obviously a, a lot tougher. But you know, Jacoby Myers, you know, had just has a much better better connection with Jimmy G. Like Jimmy G could have a really good game, and he's only like fifteen percent roster, so he makes for I think a nice streamer. And then on the Chargers side, I just want to mention, like, they're on a bye this week. Uh, so, obviously, you're not using them. But, like, Joshua Palmer, if you spend a lot of fab on him, definitely try to hold him through the bye. Quentin Johnson, I would try to hold him as well, like, or or even pick him up because he's still available in less than 50% of leagues. And I think the Chargers, I think, will use this bye week to <laughs> try to get him ready, right? Like, I think we could see Quentin Johnson, like, you know, maybe he won't be ready, but, like, they're going to try. And he's going to have to get involved with Mike Williams now on IR. Yeah, they need one of those two guys to be able to 
make those big plays down the field that Mike Williams was making because that's a key component mm-hmm. to their offense. Um, they also are going to get Austin Eckler back after the bye, so that's going to obviously be a massive lift <laughs> for this team. But, you know, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen are both doing a lot of their work in the short and intermediate parts of the field, so they do need a reliable field stretcher. Uh, and, you know, Palmer was used in that role in this game, three catches for 77 yards. I mean, that's over 25 yards per catch. So uh, he was definitely breaking some big plays in this game. But, uh, you know, it was three catches on eight targets. So uh, mm-hmm. whether he can consistently come down with those balls the way Mike Williams can is a big open question. And it's even more of a question with Quentin Johnston because he just hasn't uh, really shown that the team hasn't shown trust in him to do that yet. So we'll see if the buy is enough uh, for him to have the light uh, click on like that. Well, I'll just mention with Eckler real quick, because we, we haven't really talked about him a whole lot because he's been hurt. I did see that you moved him up all, all the way to number two in your rest of season rankings. I haven't moved him quite back that high. I will after next week, you know, after they have the buy, but that just tells me, I mean, I'll be right there with you. Obviously Eckler's awesome. And if the team who has Eckler is sitting at one and three or zero oh and four, definitely make a trade offer like now's the time if you can if you can afford to like hold out and give them someone they can use that team who's sitting at zero and four if they have Eckler they need to win you know this, this is <laughs> we're a month into the season and they need they need to win some matchups so they might be a little bit desperate and be thinking about tr- making a trade yep good good advice for sure uh all right uh Cowboys 38 Patriots 3 uh, Mac Jones benched, uh, although Bill Belichick refused to call it a benching. He just said, right. There was no points to him remaining in the game. <laughs> uh, and he, he repeated he that, say that line several times, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> uh, there might be no point in the Patriots trying to run, line up on offense at all at this point, the way things are going. But, uh, another one of the inaccurate beat reporter, uh, insider reports we heard was that Ezekiel Elliott was going to get starter snaps in this game. He didn't even, uh, play until like late in the first quarter I believe and only got six carries for 16 yards uh, but that doesn't mean that Ramondre Stevenson was good um, it's just been really rough going for this offense as a whole and uh, that that has led me to significantly downgrade Stevenson who I was already I believe quite below consensus on anyway coming into the season I just worried that there wasn't that much upside to him in this offense and that's certainly proving to be the case yeah, you've moved him down more than I have. Uh, looks like he's 62 for you, 37 for me. I moved him down. I just haven't moved him down uh, quite that much. Um, but yeah, I might be. I mean, you might be ahead of me on this one. Uh, you sometimes are. <laughs> it goes both ways. But yeah, like I, I, I see your points. I just want to mention too, just the wide receivers. If if you're like if you're having some bye weeks, even if you're not, like you can drop any of these wide receivers. I know we talked about Kendrick Bourne after week one, and like, but like guys like Juju and like. Tyquan Thornton could be coming back like this this whole it's just a mess like it's like we talked about this before it's almost like the Chiefs wide receiver room where you don't know who to pick up and nobody like sometimes but even at least with the Chiefs like sometimes someone's good with this group it's like I don't know that anyone's ever even going to be good Uh, so I just just drop any of them yeah Hunter Henry is the only pass catcher to have any interest in and he's like a borderline you know top 12 kind of tight end I guess yep Agreed. Yeah. And then on the Dallas side, I mean, they just keep having these weird games with game script. I mean, their defense scored two touchdowns in this game. So uh, not a lot of running, honestly. You'd expect more rushing attempts in a game where they win 38-3. to But uh, Tony Pollard only got 11 carries. I'm not worried about that. This was just an odd game script. Uh, and 
yeah. I I mean, Jake Ferguson just continues to kind of get a lot of looks in the passing game. So he's another one of those those borderline tight ends. Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention Ferguson. Like he, you know, he's he's down there a little bit too. Well, I need to sort my tight end rankings because I feel like uh, I've moved him up uh, quite a bit. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I've got him uh, after guys like Higby, Komet. Then I've got Ferguson, and then I've got guys like Zach Ertz, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave. So yeah, I've moved Ferguson up quite a bit. Uh, I think that's that's a good takeaway from this game. And I'll just say like Dak had a great game, twenty eight of thirty four. Like you know, no turnovers. Like, but for fantasy. I just I don't know like 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 I said you can you can pick up a guy like CJ Stroud and drop Dak. Yeah, I I was kind of calling Dak as a little overrated for fantasy this season from the beginning. Just worried about the loss of Kellen Moore and and this Mike McCarthy offense and uh, yep. I you know there was a little bit there where I was questioning it because they were actually running at a faster pace than I was expecting, but it's still not a creative scheme and the defense is so good that. Um, there's just not a lot of uh, passing production to be found there. Four touchdown passes for Dak Prescott in four games. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> no, it's not. All right, uh, two more games. You ready two to more move games on? to go? Okay, so we had the Christian McCaffrey show. Yeah, Forty Niners thirty-five, Cardinals sixteen. Uh, Christian McCaffrey scored four touchdowns, and he easily could have had five. They had the ball at the half yard line and Brock Purdy just put it in on a QB sneak or else it, it could have easily been five touchdowns for McCaffrey. But uh, I, I'd i say don't get greedy. But then again, I did have uh, McCaffrey in a league where I lost my matchup. So <laughs> you never know what can happen in this crazy game when you have uh, other players like Mike Evans and T Higgins that get hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers are just, uh, you know, they're a well-oiled machine and Brandon Ayuk was back and putting up huge numbers Brock Purdy played a nearly flawless game. <laughs> Only one incompletion in this game. Uh, threw for a touchdown and ran for a, a, another. Um, you know, Elijah Mitchell was out, so Jordan Mason mixed in a little bit. But really, this game ended up being a little more competitive for long stretches than uh, it might have seemed like it would be. And that kept McCaffrey on the field and allowed him to just put up otherworldly numbers. Yeah, well, mentioning Ayuk, I just want to say, like, if you look at our rest of season rankings, both of us have Brandon Ayuk about ten to fifteen spots higher than Debo Samuel for rest of season. So, like, he missed he missed a game in there. Debo was a little bit banged up in this one. You know, Kittle also didn't have a very good game. I have Kittle in a league, and I was looking at the note in, on Yahoo, and it was just like basically saying like Kittle great in run blocking. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't have to do much. You know, in this game, so there will be games like Kittle. I think will come around. He had a great second half last year. Maybe he's just, you know, doesn't ha- get in his yet. But I just wanted to point out that we both do have Ayuk above Debo rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think Ayuk is the best fantasy option uh, among their pass catchers at this point. Like, Kittle and Debo are both going to have some big games, but uh, I think Ayuk is the alpha there. So, yeah. like, he'll have the most big games of the three. Um, Kittle is, like, he had that one huge game against the Giants in, in week three, but other than that, he hasn't topped 30 yards or three catches in any of the other three games. So he's kind of in a similar situation to Dallas Goddard where it's just like the volume isn't necessarily there when all their other weapons are healthy, and it's kind of just, you know, you, you, you just kind of have to stick with him because he will have some big games sprinkled in, but it's, it's going to be um, a fair number of games like this as well. Yep. Well, let me give you some nuggets on the Cardinal side. I'll start with the running back. You know, my guy Keontae Ingram, not involved here. Uh, Amari uh, DiMarcado 
was uh, actually had like 35% snap share here. So just a name to keep an eye on. He's probably the handcuff that you want there if you're into that sort of thing for the Cardinals. So yeah, know, just like Ingram didn't play in this game, right? He was banged yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's like he hasn't been good anyway. And like, so you could, you could see them just giving this other guy a chance, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, even last week in week three, um, De Mercado and uh, Ingram basically split the backup snaps. Yep. And then with the wide receivers, we talked about Marquise Brown in our start sit show as just like, what are we missing here? And he ended up being a top 20 receiver, 10 targets, seven for 96. But Michael Wilson was the one who hauled in two touchdowns. He also had he had seven targets himself. Um, so like Michael Wilson, you know, interesting, the rookie. He, he's someone who I sprinkled on uh, before the season started to lead all rookies in uh, in receiving yards this year at like 150 to one or something. He was a long shot that I got. And he's starting to come around a little bit. Like the opportunities there, it, like to see him scoring touchdowns. I think he's only two or three percent rostered. So he's someone who, like, you know, if he and Jamison Williams are both on the waiver wire, I might just take Michael Wilson first. I would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think he's locked into that number two receiver role. And let's give some credit to Joshua Dobbs. Like he's yeah. playing good football. You know, like as a Browns fan, I was just thinking about like when when they traded him in the off season to the Cardinals and got like a decent draft pick for him I thought that was like a great deal for the Browns right but man when they missed when they were missing Deshaun Watson this last week and they had to start Dorian Thompson Robinson I mean they really could have used Joshua Dobbs like he's playing very uh decent football and keeping this team in games I mean they are they are a team that uh maybe not quite as much as the Texans but they are even at one and three vastly overperforming what I think most people thought they were going to be doing this year Yep. Well, we've talked about teams like the Rams, the Texans, the Cardinals. These are all places where people thought the teams would just completely stink. And even if they end up stinking, you know, rest of the season, they still can have value for fantasy, right? Like you, you were able to, like, if you drafted some of these guys, picked them up off waivers, like you can Michael Wilson, like you, you can find some value here and other people just, a lot of people just won't even look at it until it's too late. So yeah, pick up Michael Wilson. Yeah, I mean, if people are still buying the preseason narrative that the that the Cardinals are just garbage and tanking the season, like that doesn't really match what they're putting on the field. If you're watching their games, like they're they're trying to win these games and they're playing competitive football. Yeah, they might be the bank. They might beat the Bengals this week. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll place a bet on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So our final game, uh, the Monday ni- or the Sunday night game, I should say. Um, yep. Chiefs twenty three, Jets twenty. And I mean, Zach Wilson may have played better than Patrick Mahomes in this game. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I mean, I guess like Patrick Mahomes had a couple pretty bad interceptions. Uh, yeah, Zach Wilson did all right. I mean, the, the takeaway here is like Zach Wilson plays Denver this week. <laughs> I mean, do you start Zach Wilson over some guys? Like, oh, it, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like, you could you could play Zach Wilson over probably. 15 or 20 uh other quarterbacks yeah in a super flex league i think you can you can start zach wilson against yeah. denver yeah not not a single qb <laughs> i'm not there yet <laughs> yeah okay um but speaking of that um patrick mahomes gets denver twice in the next four weeks so Ooh, tasty that's gonna be fun he, his next four matchups i tweeted this out today are against the vikings um the broncos twice and the chargers which are the three defenses that give up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks so uh that should be an opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to get back on track Travis Kelsey uh to get back on track not that Kelsey's been bad but he just we know he can do even more yeah um 
I still don't know what to make of their receiver room. I think that's just kind of status quo at this point, really, though. Uh, but Isaiah Pacheco, he just continues to put up really nice fantasy numbers. He's been a riser for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, he uh, in half PPR. And, and again, like he's more of a non-PPR guy, you would think. But even in half PPR, top 11 back in each of the last two games. He got uh, three catches in this game, so that's nice to see. And, uh, you know, uh, like looking at the rest of season rankings, where do you have Pacheco at running back? Oh. Yeah, I I think I've been moving him up too. You know, watching him run and that that um that first touchdown of the game where he just like broke off, it reminded me a little bit of like Barry Sanders. And I and the reason is because like I've been seeing these promos for this Barry Sanders documentary that's coming up on Amazon. Watching Thursday Night Football, they've been promoting it a lot. But like the way he just like you know kind of was chugging his legs and he just he runs so hard, man. I mean, saw this last year. I'm and yeah, Pacheco. I I love this guy. I'm looking up my rankings right now. Um. It looks like we both have him at 46th overall. Yeah. Um, like, just ahead of DeAndre Swift. We both have him just ahead of DeAndre Swift. Yep. Um, you know, I've got him right there with James Conner. You have him ahead of James Conner. Yeah, and we have him ahead of Brees Hall. Uh, both of us have him ahead of Brees Hall, who's also in this game. I do think Brees Hall could be a little bit of a buy low, you know, because, like, they are going to be in some – I mean, this is a competitive game, but, like, they had to throw a lot just to, like, kind of stay in this one. And I think there's going to be some games where they run the ball a little bit more. Dalvin Cook does not look good. Dalvin Cook has just been falling down my rankings. Like, in a couple of weeks, I could see myself removing Dalvin Cook completely. We'll see. But, like, Brees Hall, I think, could be a little bit of a buy low. Maybe. I, the problem is he has not played more than 50% of the snaps in any game this season. Uh, it's kind of like what we were talking about with the other guy coming off the major knee injury, Javante Williams. It's a similar situation yeah. where neither of these guys are really being entrusted with a bell cow kind of role. I mean, Dalvin Cook, I agree, has not looked good at all, but they continue to insist on uh, working Michael Carter in too. So like, yeah, this true. is a true three-man committee. I mean, none of these guys are playing. They're all playing between 25 and 50% of the snaps every single week. So um, I, to me, like right now, Brees Hall is like the ultimate kind of boomer bust player. Like, cause we saw what he did in week one. I mean, he could just break a, a touchdown for 80 yards at any time. That's kind of what you're hoping for at this point with this situation because he's just not getting quite enough run uh, to be a reliable player right now. Okay. Yeah, I will say one other thing is uh, Garrett Wilson had 14 targets in this game. Um, if Zach Wilson does look competent moving forward, like I did I did creep Garrett Wilson up back up a little bit in my rankings because he had been falling the last I don't know two three weeks ever since Aaron Rodgers went down in week one I'd been consistently moving other receivers ahead of him this is the first week where I just sort of bumped him back up a little so where were you think you'll rank him against Denver then shoot man I'm well let me just see where I I did I did kind of an initial uh rankings uh today at some point I've got him right now wide receiver 27 behind guys like Jacoby Myers Nico, Nico Collins, Gabe Davis, but I could I could see moving him ahead of that and being in the wide receiver two ter- territory. Yeah, I think I might have him around wide receiver 20. I haven't done my rankings yeah. yet, but I could see around wide receiver 20 for that juicy matchup. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, like, what's the difference between him and, like, a Marquise Brown at this point, right? They're both playing for sort of, you know, not maybe not great not great teams with not a, not a great quarterback, but they're getting volume, and they're very dynamic players, I think. Yeah, I mean, I have a little more faith in Joshua Dobbs than Zach Wilson at this point. But, yeah, your point's taken. I mean, the real thing is if the Broncos are 
defenders are just going to leave players wide open like any NFL quarterback is going to be able to hit them. So uh, I think Garrett Wilson should be able to uh, take advantage of some busted coverages because that's the Broncos specialty. No doubt. All right. We got through them all, Andrew. That was fun. We did, man. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, If you want to see what Bart and I think about some players we did not discuss today, uh, you can go to rsrankings.com. Check out our rest of season rankings. Um, We'll have our week five rankings up on the site uh, in a matter of days. And if you have any uh, questions for us, you can always reach out on Twitter. I am at Andrew underscore Cypher. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, share, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.